All right, welcome in, hockey fans in the desert southwest. It is time for another edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy, your host, joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona, along with my co-host, Seth Askelson, joining in from north of Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, another beautiful day in the, the state of Arizona, but uh, hockey's still not here. We're still talking hockey, but we're waiting for games to be played. And uh, news breaking all the time over uh, something in professional hockey. Seth Askelson, how are you this evening? I'm good. Sorry, Scott. You'd think that uh, somebody who went to the number one school in innovation in sports journalism could figure out technology, but uh, clearly that's a weekly struggle for me. I promise that by the time next October comes around, I'll have it figured out, but uh, it's, it's my that it's still on not button. working for me. It's the on button. I know. It is. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you in. Seth Askelson, so much stuff going on uh, in the world of hockey. We've got a great guest tonight from Sinbin.Vegas. We got the other half of the co-founding group. We got Jason Poffier with us. Uh, good French French Canadian name. Um, he's going to tell us his stories about hockey for sure. But we're going to plug him a little bit about what's going on in uh, in Vegas with the uh, the AHL franchise and the Golden Knights winning the Pacific Division and getting prepared for uh, hockey soon. And we're also going to find out what he knows about uh, Vegas becoming a host city for the West. So before we jump into that, Seth, big news broke today at uh, ah, Gila River Arena with the Arizona Coyotes. Go ahead. Take it away. Yeah, um, real big, I think, in terms of just, you know, business-wise, but a history-making day not only for the team but for the National Hockey League itself. Xavier Gutierrez is named the National Hockey League's first Latino CEO uh, brought in by Alex Marillo. As we know, Alex Marillo, when he purchased the Coyotes uh, last summer, became the first uh, owner of Latin descent in the National Hockey League, and I believe that was of um, in just all four major sports. So um, real big day. Uh, new CEO, we know that um, the departure of Aaron Cohen, which has still kind of been a mystery in terms of giving an answer, right? And I think, um, you know, it, it seems, it feels like a part of it is, you know, Murillo just wants his guy in there, right? A guy that's worked for him before in the Murillo group. Um, and, you know, a guy that not saying that Murillo didn't trust Aaron Cohen. I don't want to say that. I don't want to make it sound like that, but just somebody that he knows uh, that's helped him grow his business and his enterprise. So um, huge day for the Coyotes naming a CEO and uh, coming on the heels really of um, kind of taking away. Don't forget Thursday that the team gets back on the ice. So people were kind of geared up for that. And then all of a sudden, um, brand new CEO. So a lot of news going on for the Coyotes, but that's the, the big news today. Absolutely. I'll tell you what I took away from it, Seth, is the fact that uh, I think when COVID-19 hit and Aaron uh, Cohen was released or parted ways with the Coyotes, I think a lot of the Arizona Coyotes fans got a little nervous, got a little shaky. They were going like, uh-oh. Now, now what could be up? What, what's happening? We've seen this story before. It didn't really end well for us. What's happening? I, I think there was just a lot of anxiety and confusion. And I think what Alex Morello did today as part of the Zoom press conference was lay out his plan once again that he's here to stay, that the Coyotes are here to stay. He didn't eliminate Glendale. He did say something unique in the fact that you can't just pick up and go tomorrow. 
he's going to have to stay there for a couple of years. And then he hinted that there were a couple of uh, very intriguing offers from the east side for his hockey team. And he followed that up by saying that uh, he hopes to have a decision on where the team will play long term by the end of the calendar year. So scratch the thought that they're going to Houston. They're not going there. They're not going to Quebec. They're staying right here in Arizona. And that looks like they're set to start building a whole new culture of, uh, or maybe continuing to build the culture that Aaron Cohen certainly started uh, in growing the game of hockey in the desert Southwest. Your thoughts? No, I agree. And I know, uh, the arena is a very touchy subject for Coyotes fans, for hockey fans in the Valley, and I get it. Um, I believe it was Kent Summers I had saw. I had really got Coyotes Nation um, riled up. I didn't get a chance. I had saw it just before we got on the air, um, but I believe he had wrote an article uh, basically just about how the Coyotes don't don't really expect the Coyotes to have a new arena deal by the end of the year. And uh, look, I get it. You know, Coyotes fans think if we don't get this new arena deal, we're going to leave. And, you know, there's not going to be hockey in Arizona, et cetera, et cetera. This isn't just something that uh, we saw, you know, with the case with ASU and the Coyotes where you just say, okay, deal's done. Let's start building, right? I mean, that deal fell through with ASU. And ASU is still, you know, they're not to steal any spotlight from your college hockey show this week. But, you know, they're still – they're just really getting started on their building. So, People think it's like, okay, arena deal, bang, arena next season. Like, it's it's going to be two, three years, and there's a lot of logistics, a lot of money. You know, yes, you might have these deals on the table, but Coyotes fans should know best. Look, during the ownership time, there was plenty of deals on the table, um, and not many of them went through. So, yeah. um, I get it. Like, everybody's excited, right? Like, anytime arena talks comes up, it's, okay, okay, like, I'm excited. You know, maybe this is going to be the time, but it's okay breathe you know marilla said he's committed to arizona you know there's i feel like you know when when a team's gonna move especially when they change owners you know about it before the the deal is done right like i mean you the prime example is the atlanta thrashers uh the true north group basically said yeah if we buy the team we're moving it to winnipeg like that is you know if you want this team in atlanta we are not going to be the group to keep them here so um that's one of those things where, look, if, if Morello really truly wanted to move, you know, big names um, around the hockey world like Elliot Friedman, like Chris Johnston would have already come out and said, hey, there's talks in the work. You know, the NHL is saying there's, you know, relocation possibilities. I, until a big time hockey reporter um, like a Craig Morgan, you know, like a, an Elliot Friedman comes out and says, hey, this is, you know, the NHL is talking about this. I'm not too worried about the team moving. You know, the Canadian fans can make their snarky remarks and, you know, people in Quebec can be salty that they still don't have a team. That's, you know, whatever. Until I, I hear something, you know, valuable from, from somebody that is in with the league, I don't trust it. So I get it. People want the arena deal. But, look, I think we've talked about it on the show before. At a certain point with that arena, that arena was built in 2003, right? Like, you're almost beyond the point where – that arena, I wouldn't say it's getting old. I don't want to say it like that. But you think back in 2009, 2010, 2011, when, you know, all this stuff was really at a peak. Yeah, I think part of the reason that not only Glendale, but some people just didn't want to leave that arena is because that arena wasn't even 10 years old yet. You know, right. what does that look like yeah. in your franchise that you're going to leave a building that's not even 10 years old yet? Now, all of a sudden, you're coming across 
you know, in two years, three years time, you know, it's going to be a 20 year old building. And I don't want to make it sound, you know, even leaving after 20 years, definitely raised some eyebrows in terms of new arenas. But I mean, you see new ballpark come up all the time. You know, the Braves, I think it was Turner field was built in 1993, 92 yeah. or 93. Yeah. And they were in a new ballpark in 2017. Like they only used that for, you know, 20 years. So, um, as much as, you know, you want this arena deal done and it, and it feels at some point inevitable, like all of a sudden you're going to get to a certain point as time goes on where it's like, okay, a new arena financially and from a facility standpoint makes sense, right? Like right. back in 2008, 2009, Gila River Arena probably had some of the best facilities in the NHL, some of the state-of-the-art, you know, facilities in the National Hockey League. Now all of a sudden, a lot of different teams have gotten buildings, right? Uh, Edmonton's got their building. Pittsburgh built their building in 2012. Um, you know, so you just take a look at, at some of these places that all of a sudden, okay, you know, some of these teams are starting to get new facilities. It's not like the Coyotes are the only team looking at a new facility and everybody else has got great A stuff. You know, Calgary, I think there was an agreement reached up there for a new facility. So all of a sudden around the NHL, you're starting to see some of these new buildings built. So for the Coyotes, I think it's just a matter of time where, you know, you're going to get this move and it's not going to feel like, oh, they just need to get out of the West Valley. It's like, okay, it was time for new facilities to get an upgrade, to get a state-of-the-art building, and they moved it to a better location. Very well said. A couple of things I want to touch on before we get to our, uh, our guest, Jason Poffier. But uh, the first thing I want to say is, uh, uh, you know, for hockey fans in the desert southwest, it was really a, a kick to the gut uh, when we heard that Craig Morgan was uh, no longer working with the athletic and the athletic had to uh, lay off about 46 guys that day. So uh, best wishes to Craig Morgan. I reached out to him and are you reached out to him? Uh, if there was any way we could bring a guy like Craig Morgan to us, ooh, boy, that would be fantastic, but we're just not at that point yet. Um, but, but really sad news. The hockey world took a loss on that. So hopefully Craig bounces back and gets back covering the Coyotes where he belongs. And then secondly, on the good news sides of things, uh, we're continuing our trivia contest. So I'm, I hope you've got a trivia question for me again. You're going to uh, think it up during the show if you haven't. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to give away some more uh, stuff from Summer Skates. We've got some koozies. We've got some T-shirts. So once again, the hashtag is Pucks on the Pod. And uh, without further ado, how about we bring on our, uh, our guest from Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, Jason Poffier with Sinbin.Vegas. Jason, are you with us? I think we got him there somewhere. We're hooking him up. I can feel him. <laughs> Jason, if you're there, all you need to do is hit one of the call-in buttons, either three or four, and we'll get you going. Ah, I think he's there. I think he's live. Jason, I, are you with us? Yeah, can you hear me? Absolutely. You got Scott and Seth here. Uh, Scott and Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host Seth Askelson, not far from me over in North Phoenix, Arizona. So first of all, welcome into the show. Thanks for uh, for joining us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure and uh, it's good to talk hockey again. <laughs> and Hey, you guys never quit talking hockey. What is it, like a 200 podcasts now or something like that you and Ken have done? Uh, <laughs> some crazy number, but you guys never stop and neither does Vegas. I made a trip up there uh, the 1st of May in the middle of, uh, of quarantine. I snuck out just to see what was going on and uh, the building continues, all kinds of good stuff uh, going on. So first things first, give us a little introduction to you and uh, that beautiful uh, – 
French Canadian name you got or whatever it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm an East Coast boy. I grew up in uh, the Boston area and uh, geez, I, you know, I grew up as a young kid playing hockey, loved it my whole life, hockey and baseball. And, uh, you know, at a point where around uh, mid, mid, you know, uh, high school, I realized that I'm not growing and I'm not getting any more skilled. So I hung up the skates. And ever since then, I've just been uh, a big fan of the sport. And I've been in sports uh, media since 2003. I started at WEI in Boston. I was there for 10 years, then uh, moved to Vegas and started at CBS Radio and was there until Ken and I, Ken Bolke, my partner, we created uh, Sinbin.Vegas in 2015, and here we are. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I met you guys uh, way back when, when you guys were pushing for the uh, the NHL to come to Vegas. And uh, I remember seeing you guys sitting in a little uh, bar doing a fundraising type thing and, and getting the enthusiasm going. And and now that you saw it all start and it all start to advance, be honest with me. Did you think five years later you're going to have an NHL and AHL and, what, six new ice surfaces coming in in the first five or six years? Yeah, no, no way whatsoever. I mean, to tell you the truth, five years in, I expected we'd be covering a horrible hockey team, uh, an organization trying to get themselves uh, to the next level with, you know, uh, high draft picks, stuff like that. But it's been anything but. And here we are, like you said, now the AHL is in town. There's uh, multiple ice sheets and then more coming up. And, you know, it's just nothing that I was prepared or expected. And, And it's just such a it's a, it really is uh, – it says a lot about the sport and the community that, you know, some people out here weren't expecting to, uh, you know, lock into hockey as much as they, as they have. And, and I think a lot of people speculated if, if fans of other sports would jump on the hockey, and they sure have. And, and, and you know, who knows what's going to happen with the AHL because, you know, it's coming from Chicago, but it's a new team here, and it's more affordable and family-friendly. So I, I can't – you know, I can only assume, based off the success of the Golden Knights, that the Silver Knights are going to be uh, as popular as well. All right. I could go on and on with you because you know as soon as I catch up with you in a rink, we don't quit talking. But No, let, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let Seth jump in and fire away because Seth is our beat reporter for us for the Arizona Coyotes. So – Lots of stuff going on here, too, but I know he's got a lot of questions, so Seth, start firing away to Jason. Yeah, Jason, uh, this is Seth. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, When I look at Arizona and Vegas, uh, Vegas is one of those cities where I think if you take a look at Arizona, you say, okay, that's a hockey city. That's a city that the Coyotes can have if they can win. Um, Obviously, the night's coming in. And winning a lot early helps. And like you said, you thought you'd be covering a a team that was trying to find its footing. But um, what do you think that the success that Vegas had so early on, you know, Stanley Cup finals first year and and all that has done to help grow the game? I mean, do you think that was really a big factor in Vegas locking onto this hockey team like it has? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, the, the, the deposits were there early. So the, the team knew that they had sold out the building with season ticket holders for three to five years. So that aspect was positive. They knew that they were going to get bodies in the building, committed bodies. The only thing is what was going to happen on the ice and was it going to draw in more fans and draw TV ratings and draw merchandise and all that stuff. So I think the run, the first year, the inaugural year that they ran to the cup final, um, it was a disappointment. 
disappointing loss. I mean, you know, there's nobody in town here that won't admit that that was very disappointing. But for a first-year team, it was anything but a failure. And I think it just drew in more fans and more fans. And, and I think at this point, you know, the Golden Knights can't really do anything wrong in the eyes of the public. Yeah, sure, there's some people here and there that uh, – you know, maybe maybe uh, complain about how much money they handed this guy or this guy, or you know, if if uh, you know season ticket holders are, are taken care of properly, that stuff's going to happen in any city. But overall, this this team has really uh, it's just become ingrained now into this city. And I mean, you know, there's fans all over the world now, and it, it's it's an interesting thing because, like you said, I mean, the Coyotes can own. Phoenix, if they were good and if they continue to play good, it's the same thing here. But I think that this team, even if they have some lean years, they'll still fans will still come. They'll still watch on TV. And the the only question is is if the Raiders, you know, they come in, they're coming to town this year and they start off in September. So the question is, will the Raiders start to steal a little bit of that thunder? You know, the first page news from the Golden Knights. That's the question. But overall, I still think the Golden Knights will have no problem drawing fans now and in the future. Jason, when we talk about the AHL franchise coming in and that news broke, uh, what, about a week and a half ago when, when they introduced the, uh, the, the team name and, and the logo, just what were your thoughts about that? I mean, I think the name was kind of the worst-kept secret ever. We all kind of figured that's what it would be. But just your thoughts on that and how quickly that's all come together. Yeah, you know, it's been pretty exciting, actually, because I think a lot of us uh, thought it would make sense years and years ago. We thought, you know, the AHL, their AHL affiliate being in Chicago doesn't make too much sense, especially when the Pacific Division, you know, their teams are sometimes in the same state, uh, not too far. And, you know, it's sometimes it's even a quick bus trip or, or a uh, plane trip. So for the most part, I think it makes so much sense having the AHL here. Uh, I, I think they hit a home run with the logo. I really do. I think it connects really well with the Golden Knights. The the name, the Silver Knights, is, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, it's not great. I mean, <laughs> I, I understand why they did it. But uh, for the most part, I think they hit a home run. And then the facilities, which is going to be open uh, in a little while, will be fantastic. And, again, it's going to be one of those things that if you can't take your four kids – or your family of four to a Golden Knights game, you might be able to take them to two or three to a Silver Knights game at the same cost. So I think it's going to be a real success. The question is, is AHL teams, you know, they seem to sometimes struggle in attendance and merchandise and all that stuff. So we'll see what happens in about three to five years here. But overall, if the Golden Knights are playing well and the Silver Knights are in town, I think they're both going to be a success. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Seth, you got another one for Jason? Yeah. I, the Raiders coming in to Vegas, I think, is interesting to me because um, when you think of the Knights, that's Vegas' own team, you know, day one in Vegas. It's not a transplant. And, look, I know football is football. It's always going to grab, at least now, the head, more headlines than hockey. But to me, a lot of people that are Raiders fans now aren't going to kind of fall off the bandwagon because they're moving to Vegas, right? Like, if the Coyotes were to move somewhere else, I know there's a lot of people here that would jump off the bandwagon. So the the Raiders their fans, but more their national fans. Yes, you know they were a great community and, and helped heal through um, the. 
Seth, I, Seth, I think you break him. Can you hear yeah. him, Jason, at all? I, I, I lost him a little bit, but I, I think I know where he's going. Uh, you know, okay. it's it's funny because the Raiders, they have a big fan base, and, and I think a lot of them plan, a lot of the Oakland-based fans, I think a lot of them plan on coming here and continuing their fan fandom for the, uh, for the, for the, the Las Vegas Raiders now. But I think the NFL is one thing that it's just tough to – really tough to compete against and no matter how successful or how popular a team is in any city i think the nfl will still win that battle and that's where the golden knights have to make sure that when it comes to entertainment bucks that they're not losing all that to the raiders because you know they have eighty thousand fans granted there's only a certain amount of games per year but that will draw in a lot more fans. And then there will be kids and fans here that don't really have a team that will definitely jump on to the, to the Raiders. So that's the only thing that I, that I worry about is that if people – and again, if the Raiders become good, they become the story. The Golden Knights are at automatically second. And it does it's not a bad thing. It's just that's the way in America, North American sports play out. I mean, football is number one. And then hockey is, you know, you could argue what number uh, in the top four sports. But for the most part, if the Raiders are successful, uh, they're going to give a little bit. They're going to steal a little bit of thunder from the Golden Knights. But overall, I think both teams will, will be able to live comfortably together. And I think the Golden Knights fans will get exactly what they want. And I think that Raiders fans will get what they want. And I, I assume that both that, that, that fans from both teams will, will be able to uh, – you know, enjoy that the Raiders are in town. So it, it's a little bit of a comp- competition thing for entertainment money. But other than that, I think that the Golden Knights should be fine. Yeah, totally agree. Seth, are you back with us? Yes, I am. Sorry. For some reason, technology issues continue. But uh, <laughs> I, it sounds like Jason heard at least uh, the majority of my question. That, that was the answer I was looking for. So thanks, Jason. Absolutely. Really? He's a really good mind reader as well. He, he reads my <laughs> mind all the time and then usually slaps me. <laughs> <laughs> remind, remind me to do that next time. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, Jason, let's jump off of the, the, the franchise coming in, the AHL franchise, but tell me a little bit about how Bill Foley gets things done. I mean, I know a little bit. I've been around the, the guys somewhat, and I know Ken and you, got, and you are very tight-knit uh, with the – everything at good Vegas Golden Knights, but how in the world does he get a practice rink built for his team and his whole NHL franchise in, at City National so quickly, and then he immediately jumps over to Henderson and has two sheets being built there and an AHL housing the, for their whole team there, and now just about as quickly he's got this 6,000-seat arena on the horizon and, uh, you know, I joked with the, the head coach uh, down at the University of Arizona on their club program, Chad Berman, and I said, uh, Vegas is going to have six sheets of ice before you guys have one. <laughs> he said, <laughs> it's not really fair, but give us the inner workings of Bill Foley and what he's able to do, or, or, or how does he get that done? Well, I think early on in the conversations of building a franchise out here, the NHL and Bill Foley realized how untapped of a market Vegas is and that there's really no competition when it comes to sports. I mean, UNLV is, you know, there's there's loyal fans and you have alumni, but they're never going to take away uh, from the Golden Knights or any sport for that matter. 
So realize, I think they realized early on that they have so much value and potential in this city. And I think the plan all along was to build out to Henderson, to build out even further. And again, I mean, Bill Foley, a guy who resides in Montana a lot of the time, he said he wanted his team, the Golden Knights, to be the team of the Rockies. And, you know, you could argue who, who really is the team of the Rockies, but right. he, was able, he was able to develop the program, television uh, deal all the way up to Montana, to Utah, to other states where, you know, they don't have access to a pro hockey team. And so he's been able to really just push and push and move the franchise and, and the organization. And I think that's why this plan all along, uh, maybe not to get the AHL. Maybe that wasn't the original plan, but the original plan was definitely to build, consistently build sheets of ice to make sure that everybody in town had exposure to hockey. And that, and that way, that generations of Golden Knights fans would be building and developing, and he'd have no problem selling out the building for 20, 25 years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'll tell me for real on this one. Did you ever think you were going to have some lean years of covering hockey in, uh, in Vegas? Because just a little bit, I know Bill Foley, he doesn't take to losing at all. I mean, he wants to win at everything he does. And, and it's proof by who he's hired and, and what he's done to continue winning and the players that, that they brought in. But um, do you ever see a downtime for his franchise? Yeah, you know, I would think the only down period that we saw was after Game 7 of last year. Obviously, it was a controversial call, and I think it was very, you know, it was it was kind of shocking to, I think, the fans and the organization specifically because they, they built a really good club, the same club that they had this year. So I think there was, you know, some – so a little bit of uncertainty of, of going forward into this season. The other, the other situation I'd bring up is is the firing of Gerard Gallant because you know he was if any if you you know certainly know yeah. how popular and how oh, yeah. important to the franchise he was. And so I think when they made that decision, it was sort of letting go of you know the brand new paint. It was letting go of the inaugural. Uh, expansion team, all of the stuff that made things very exciting here in Las Vegas. It was sort of cutting ties from that, and they wanted to make sure that they were a team that could win the Stanley Cup. Now, you could, I mean, we could all argue if Gerard Gallant could have won a Stanley Cup or not, but unfortunately, that's not the case anymore, and it's really up to Pete DeBoer. So I think that was one of the situations where I think a lot of fans and even media question a little bit. And, you know, I'll even go a little bit further. I think some of the players in, in the locker room were questioning the move yeah. as well. But over time, over time, they, they, you know, they, they're proven to be a really good club. And I think they all bought into, hey, we are a talented club. We have good goaltending. Uh, we, hit, we can score. We have a really powerful second line. We have a really good skilled sec, uh, first line. So I think over time, the, the players realized, okay, you know, let's just put aside our differences for right now and let's go win the cup. Yeah, totally agree with you. I, I uh, you know, I also wondered a little bit uh, coming off of that first year, which was so phenomenal, and then getting into the second year, and um, and not in going out of the playoffs the way they did against San Jose, and and then people started to talk about are the players too involved in the community? Are they, you know, they're building restaurants and they're 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 uh, building bars and they're having beer named after them and they're all over the place. Do you think that has any effect or had any effect in the start? this year and and ultimately the uh the releasing or the letting go of uh, Gerard Gallant or do you think that really had nothing to do with it 
You know, I don't think so. I mean, it's a, I, it's a valid point because I, I've heard it in multiple cities. Like I said, I grew up in Boston. If any athlete decided to uh, open up a chicken shack or anything, that you heard about it on the Boston Globe and, and WEI for weeks. So I understand the speculation and the concern. But overall, I think the reason why the club didn't get off to the greatest start and they had some skids uh, up until Gallant was fired was injuries, number one. Uh, number two, I, I really do think there was some – a little bit of, I don't want to say a hangover, but I, they played a lot of hockey in the first two seasons. And I think that that might have caught up to them a little bit. And I also think that guys like Max Pacioretty, uh, Mark Stone, those guys were trying to almost take over, not take over leadership, but build that team into a veteran leadership team where maybe before they were a little bit more, I don't know. I don't want to say the year one that it, there was luck, but it was a little bit of everybody pitched in. And I think now they're starting to build such a talented team that it just took them a little bit. And I, I think some of the players would even tell us that they took that team, that talent for granted. And sometimes they weren't always at their best. So I, I do think that, you know, it is a good question to bring up, but overall, you know, you guys, you guys know athletes. If, if they find a way that they can market themselves more off the ice uh, or, or makes a little bit extra money making a beer like Ryan Reeves. I mean, Ryan Reeves is one of the smartest players I've ever met because right yeah. away he realized he realized how popular and how marketable he is. And that way he went out and built, you know, uh, created his 7-5 brew and he went across the city and, and, and opened up taps, at, you know, as many bars as he could. And I think he really realized uh, how popular he was in this city and also how, uh, you know, again, another situation where it's sort of untapped. So I, I think guys like that really took the advantage of it. And, uh, you know, we'll see over time, but I think it had really little to do with their any distractions whatsoever. Well, I'll take your word on that because I, I think you guys are uh, close enough for those guys to know. But let's start talking a little bit about the, this resuming of the season. Seth, I'm going to let you take off on this one because I know how, uh, how your thoughts are on resuming the season. So fire away at Jason on uh, some resuming the season questions. Yeah, Jason, it looks like uh, I've – hopefully found my way back for the final time um, but coming to resuming the season. I know the, the video that circulated around uh, social media, I believe it was this past weekend, if not a little bit um, towards the end of last week of the Vegas casino that was open and people in very close proximity, you know, mass, et cetera, et cetera, that was just getting slammed. Um, do you think that, you know, obviously Phoenix is out not only because it's, kind of hasn't been said but with the shooting at Westgate and the COVID numbers spiking but do you think that by Vegas kind of opening up to its full capacity that that puts the city in danger of not being a hub city I mean not that it would necessarily make the team itself money but you know that's hotel costs and things like that do you think that the NHL looks at Vegas reopening basically to its tourist attraction that usually is will scare them off once they finally settle on host cities. I honestly think it, it probably uh, helps their decision because I think they look at it. And yeah, it, 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 some people could look at the video. I think you're talking about the Cosmopolitan where there was just, it was a packed house and there was a lot of people not wearing masks. And I, you know, I think people forget that there are regulations to actually walk into that building. So they have to pass a temperature test to be able to walk into that building. And I'm not saying, again, we don't know how 
you know, how accurate that is and if it will really, you know, cut down the cases or, or expose people. So we got to take the, the uh, personally, I think we got to take um, the people at their word, the, 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 the companies that own the casinos, the state, the, the city, the government, the elected officials, we have to take their word for it. Um, and I think the NHL looks at it and says, even if we were, even if there's a lot of exposure somewhere else in the city, we're going to have our players pretty much locked in to hotels and just in a certain area where they shouldn't really come into contact. And again, that doesn't mean that one of the players might be exposed to it and might bring it on to his team or other teams. So that is a concern. But there's actually something kind of that that's popped up lately that is a concern, not necessarily for the city of Las Vegas, but maybe the NHL. Um, now with the Republican National Convention being available, being open and looking for other cities, Las Vegas is a, a very highly destined organization. I mean, area for the Republican National Convention. They've had it here before, and uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it brings in so much money. And I think the city, if they had their choice, they would probably select the RNC just because of the financial. Uh, I mean, it's going to cause a lot of money coming in to the city because of the amount of people. Um, and also, you're not you're not you're not really just taking one corner of the strip and, you know, putting yellow tape around like you would if, if the NHL were to come here for a hub city. So I think there's a lot of elements to it. Um, I, I think that video is a little bit misleading, but we'll see what happens, because, again, it's only been a week. And, you know, if if cases spike over the next week or so, then yeah, I think that's a, a serious issue. But um, there's a lot of play in here. And, and I know the NHL would really like to select Vegas because it's so it's just it's perfect, you know, for the situation, the hotel rooms, the proximity, they do have enough ice. Um, and, you know, the, the, the logistics of getting players here and there. Um, so, you know, it is a good spot. The only thing is I, I, I do suspect that there are teams out there that do not want the Golden Knights to play in this city. So if that's the case, and Bill Foley even kind of mentioned that, I, I think if that's the case, if they can't find a way uh, to, to get or to appease all the clubs and allow Vegas to play here, I think they're probably going to choose a different city. And that's just my personal opinion. Okay, so some of the guys uh, got on the ice today in Vegas. Am I correct in that? Well, the thing is, we, we thought so, but there's been no, uh, there's been actually no evidence of it. I noticed <laughs> that the Oilers uh, put out some video uh, of, of their practice today, but there's been no video uh, and actually no quotes or anything like that from the Golden Knights. So um, we're just, let's just say they did, and, and, that, and that would be very positive. Uh, but so I'm it, guessing then I'm guessing Mark Stone looked great and Pacioretty looked great. <laughs> yeah, right. Carlson, they all look good. Flurry's he's back to normal. So yeah, I mean, it, it, even if they didn't today, I'm sure they will at some point this week. But it is, you know, hey, that's a great sign. Just seeing clubs on the ice, uh, it's just a great sign, and it means that we're, you know, it, it means that we're actually progressing with this. Hey, go ahead, Seth. You got another one? Yeah. I think you make an interesting point about, um, you know, the Republican National Convention comes in and, you know, it, it would kind of shut the city down in terms of having any big events. Do you think there's a possibility that uh, I know City National Arena is uh, a little a little bit outside of the main city because there's not going to be any fans? Do you think there's a possibility that if they really still are committed to Vegas, that 
they would kind of do what they would have done close to T-Mobile Arena in the sense of, okay, you know, nobody else other than approved personnel is allowed on the property and, you know, kind of buy up all the surrounding hotels and, you know, anything that's available. Do you think there's a possibility that, and at that point, you could even run two games at a time. So is there any talk that if they can't do T-Mobile, that City National could be available, at, I guess, as a desperation move? Yeah, I mean, you know, everything's possible. But to tell you the truth, it's not really outfitted for uh, a professional broadcast. You know, there's there's not uh, there's not many locations in the, in the practice facility that would allow for certain cameras and for accessibility for a broadcast, which is, again, let's, you know, let's, let's break it down. This is going to be made for TV. So it's got to be as good as possible. You know, the best production the NHL has ever done. So if that's the case, I don't think that they would want to take the risk of going into somewhere that isn't necessarily built for a TV broadcast. And, and there are backups, you know, for, for some reason, let's just say T-Mobile isn't available. Well, the MGM Grand Garden is all, it has ice and it also has capability of broadcasting. Um, you know, Thomas and Mac, they have ice. It's possible. Again, these are just suggestions, but there are outside places that they could play in. I just don't think the practice facility is, is uh, equipped enough for a broadcast. That's a good point. Uh, so when we talk about, you know, when Vegas was brought up, I thought it's a natural, right? Because of the hotel rooms and, and the availability of T-Mobile, I thought it would be perfect for players. What I mentioned to Seth on a previous show, uh, several previous shows, was once COVID hit, um, I'm more worried about it spreading amongst the fans because you know how energetic, let's just put it that way, the Vegas Golden Knights fans are. And if you tell them that there's 12 hockey teams, NHL hockey teams there, are they not just going to flood Toshiba Plaza and uh, – it, almost like the the protests we're seeing right now, only in favor of it. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. The only the only uh, downfall on that is I'm pretty sure that the city and the league will lock out that area altogether. So even that that even goes to the media. You know, there's a good chance that we're locked out of the games, and we wouldn't be able to go down to the arena and maybe grab some you know some audio or some interviews on the way out. So I think that they'll probably do a good job of locking down those areas and maybe the, what they'll do is they'll have some they'll spread out some watch parties or you know around the valley and do something like that. But for the most part and, and I don't know if you guys know this they they asked Ryan Reeves um, he was on Spit and Chicklets about a week ago and they asked him you know, what's going to happen if you play in Vegas? And he said, well, we have to go to a hotel. We're locked in that hotel. And then they said, are you going to be able to see your families? And he said, no. He said, we have to be exactly like every other club. And we have to basically lock ourselves down into our, our hotel rooms. And, you know, we'll get to go to certain restaurants and stuff like that. But we're not leaving. So, again, it, it's it, they're going to take it pretty seriously, even though that we've seen some uh, improvement. But I think they're going to take it really seriously and block all that off. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Seth, you have another one? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me when it comes to a return is the security questions. Right? Like you said, you got to lock down the arena and, and everything else, no media members, whatever that may be. Um, but I guess my concern is, is especially if they did it at a place like Westgate, like T-Mobile Arena, where there's big plazas outside where people can gather, um, obviously, like I said, I think Westgate's out because um, of their shooting more specifically a couple weeks ago. 
But what do you think the kind of security detail would look like to try and discourage fans from either surrounding the arena, surrounding the plaza, and surrounding the you know kind of visitors bus players entrance? I think what they would do is completely uh, just block things off with the way that they have blocked things off on the strip before. They would just take, um, you know, uh, barriers and block off all the entrances. And then I think, and I'm not 100% sure, but if those players are staying, say, at the Mandalay Bay or New York, New York, or the Park MGM, there's going to be so much security and there's a good chance that nobody else is allowed to stay there. So that would cut back on, you know, the, 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 the fans trying to get in a little bit. But also I think they'll have security there and, and, and a very, they usually have a heavy cop presence there during games just to make sure that everybody's going in and out and being safe. So um, I think it would be locked down pretty good. I, I don't think many fans would be able to find their way into the Toshiba Plaza uh, I really do. I, I think it would be locked down, and it would almost be like a, an Olympic village. That, that's the feel that I would get. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. You know, I mentioned that to somebody the other day about uh, an east side, uh, east of the country location like Lake Placid, and I guess maybe that's just not big enough for 12 NHL teams and, and everybody that goes with it. But, man, Lake Placid was uh, – uh, <laughs> that was an Olympic village, right? I mean, they, that would be a spot you would have thought, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know how many, you know, sheets of ice and all that, but I would assume because it's, you know, it's New York and it's a heavy, uh, heavy hockey presence there. You would think that they'd be equipped. The only thing is they probably don't have the logistics and the hotels and all the, you know, the facilities that pro athletes probably need for two months. So, so, hey, it's, it would actually be really fun <laughs> and historic, you know. But, right. I, but it, it, you know, maybe Columbus, a city like that, is is. Uh, it seems like that's one of the, the the cities that is getting a lot of talk. And you know, it's it's funny you bring up how quickly they were building sheets of ice here. Well, Columbus, I mean, you know, they've been in the league now for twenty plus years, twenty five plus years. Um, but they've done a good job of building hockey, and they have so many facilities and so many ice sheets out there that it does really make a lot of sense in Columbus. Yeah, you know, we had. Uh assistant coach Kenny McCudden on on the show uh, a month ago now, I guess. And he was talking about just how close he lives to, uh, to nationwide, but they've also had the, uh, the ACHA national tournament up there for, uh, for a few years. So they, they're used to doing that. They're used to moving people around to ice sheets. So that makes, uh, makes total sense as well. I do want to touch quickly on, on the media side of things, because I wonder how close the NHL is looking at UFC and what they've done. Um, we all saw, or at least I'm sure you did see what Amber Dixon said about uh, her trip to the uh, UFC a couple of weekends ago where she went in at 7.30, got tested, went to a designated hotel room and waited six hours to uh, get the results, and then were bussed over to the tent uh, outside of the UFC facilities for media and all of that stuff. Do you think that's a, a possibility if Vegas were the site? Do you think the NHL would be looking at doing something like that to, to get media in, or do you think it's going to be more like a uh, pool reporter? I think it's going to be more of a pool reporter just because there's going to be so many games. And, uh, and, and yeah, I saw that Amber, she, she did a good job of documenting that. And, and it look, it's funny because, you know, for, for us, for the media, it's, it's a, you know, a privilege that we are able to go to these games all the time. But I mean, you know, all of us are going to complain if we have to go sit somewhere <laughs> for six hours and then go get bust over to here and there. So, yeah, I mean, 
I, okay, I, now, now hold on a minute. When you yeah. say all of us, I know your partner would be the first one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I would have to deal with him. Uh, so you, you should feel bad for me. But, no, I, I, I just think it's too many games. And, too, and then, again, with hockey, there's so much media. Um, but you would think that even if they do allow some media in, it's going to be limited to a handful per club. But, I mean, nowadays when these clubs have their own – um, you know, online reporters and stuff like that. Gary Lawless can probably do the job of what 10 of us can do. And, and it, maybe it might not be uh, as long and, and maybe as, you know, many questions asked or whatever. But I think as of right now, I think the NHL can live with that because they know they have the eyes of the fans no matter what. All right, Seth, get your final one in, and then I'll get my final one in, and we'll let Jason get back to doing whatever he's doing in Vegas tonight. Don't tell us, Jason. We don't yeah, want to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the interesting point, what we were talking about just a, a couple questions ago about, you know, hub cities and places like a Lake Placid where um, you could, own, you know, that is an Olympic village or turn something into something Olympic village. like. And that got me thinking where on the East Coast, you know, some of these schools say like a, the main black bears, right, where you could like go to the college campus, the, dorm, the dorms are empty, um, do you think there's a possibility that say in Vegas, that if they can't secure a hotel or, you know, these hotels feel like that they'd somehow make more money by being open to the public rather than just giving it out to the NHL, that UNLV could be seen as a site to house people. I know it's, it's off the strip and the bus rides a little long, but do you think that, you know, maybe college campuses are the answer in terms of when it comes to housing and, and isolating these athletes rather than hotels? I'd love to be positive here and tell you that UNLV is equipped for professional athletes, but it's not. I mean, these guys, you know, they're used to five-star hotels, you know, top dining, places like that. I know that this is different and they have to give in a little bit, but there's no way that they would accept, the players union would accept to stay in. Uh, you know, again, I, I'm just using UNLV for an example, but you know, it's not it's not in the best area. It's not the, the, the best-looking school. It's not the most updated school. So I think that they would have a problem with that for sure. But, you know, I, it, growing up in Boston and being a fan of Boston College my whole life and being able to cover them as well, I've seen their facilities, and they're as beautiful as it can get. Um, the only thing is, you know, we don't know how long it's going to go in, and we also don't know uh, when colleges are actually going to open up. So I, it's a good idea. I just don't think it could happen in this city. All right, I'm going to let things go here on a two-parter for you. The first one, I want you to give me just a little recap of what you guys have seen with uh, you know, new players coming in, signings and things like that, and just the overall health of what you're hearing from the Vegas Golden Knights. And then the second part of it will be uh, just your thoughts on if they do get going again and they do play as they want and the season comes to an end, how soon do you think they get going again? I heard rumors today that – and I'll jump into this one just a little bit, but I heard rumors today that the NHL does not want to start next season without fans. Yeah, yeah, and that would make sense because of, as of right now, I mean, you see it in baseball. Owners do not want to lose more money, and I think that's what's going on in the NHL as well, that the owners can't go on to next season expecting to lose money or make less than they did you know, last year. So I think it's really important for them to hold off until everybody in the league is ready to allow their fans in the building. So that would mean, I mean, you know, the earliest they're talking about playing would be around August 10th. 
And that would put us, what, maybe deep September for, for the, the entire postseason to play out. So uh, th- at that point, the players in the players union are definitely going to ask for their normal time off. And then they'll get back to, I don't know, training camp around November, early December, and then possibly play in the new year. I know that seems far out, but I'm just being safe here. And, you know, if they have to cut the, the, the games down or if they have to extend the season next season into the summer, I think every fan, I think every media member, and I think every organization would be okay with that. All right, so tell us your recap on what you know from the Vegas Golden Knights. I know we've seen signings. We saw Jack Dugan was around and, and, and other guys were, were coming in. But what do you know and what do you know about the health of the team right now from, from the outside looking in? Yeah, from, you know, rumors and reports, uh, everybody's healthy, which is really good because if they started the playoffs um, on time, there's a possibility that Mark Stone or Max Pacioretty um, wouldn't be uh, available because they were a little nicked up. Um, the other thing is I, I think it's very positive that uh, that these guys have been able to rest, all of them, because I just mentioned a little while ago that they played a lot of hockey over the first two seasons. So I think that this allows them to – get a little healthier and also i mean when you live out in vegas it's pretty tough to not be outdoors so i I know these guys have been continually working out doing things creative things ryan reese has been hiking stuff like that to keep him in shape and i I think that they'll be very very healthy and very prepared for the uh the postseason the only thing is so will every other club right (laughs) <laughs> I think the biggest question uh, about going into the postseason is who their goaltender is and if they're going to stay with that goaltender just because they have two really good goaltenders. And yeah. in, in a way, I, I feel bad for Pete DeBoer because if he doesn't win the cup, he it looks bad because he has two really good goaltenders. And de- depending on how he played them out or which one he chose to start, which one he, he chose to bring in, and how long was their leash? It's a really tough play for him. So uh, I think that's the only real thing that has to play out for the Golden Knights. Otherwise, I, you know, I would say they're a handful, maybe the top five teams in, in the top five group that could win the cup. I really do think so. Well, we know they already did one thing. They're they're going to be hanging a banner for the uh, Pacific Division champions. And uh, I know you and Ken talked about that on your one of your last podcasts. It's a, it's a big deal anytime you win a banner, no matter what it is. And Finishing on top is important, and certainly to Bill Foley it is. So, uh, Jason, thanks so much for stepping in and joining us tonight. Uh, always a great conversation. I'll see you soon in Vegas, and, and stay out of trouble. <laughs> Absolutely, guys. It's a, it was a pleasure joining you, and hopefully we get to see each other sooner than later. Not Hopefully not next year, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, have a good evening. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, guys. Bye. That's Jason Papier with the uh, Sinbin.Vegas. Seth and I will take a quick break. We'll listen to a a few messages from our sponsors, and we'll come back to wrap up another episode of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly in about two minutes. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community, offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our Three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit ease. And if you want to make the best margaritas, 
or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. You find your prime with M-Drive. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Hi everybody, this is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. All right. We're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Seth Askelson from North Phoenix, Arizona, as always. Okay, Seth, recap for me what uh, what you got out of our conversation with Jason Poffey Air. Yeah, I think it's just um, basically that it's basically T-Mobile or bust in terms of Vegas being a hub city, right? I mean, we talked about UNLV being um, ho hosting in terms of housing NHL players and clubs probably out of the question. Um, while City National Arena has the ice, uh, maybe just not the large enough facility for everybody to feel comfortable enough to play, you know, NHL playoff games, really, in terms of, you know, I've been in that arena before and as nice as it is, uh, sometimes you can hear the conversations going on in the locker room that's attached to your wall. So I'm sure um, some NHL teams don't want their uh, strategies being <laughs> given out because yeah. of thin walls. Um, but so basically it's, it's T-Mobile or bus for Vegas and um, a city that I think when you're talking about the West, the West side, right. Um, we've talked about it, probably not going to happen in Canada due to the, the mandatory quarantine for incoming people. 
I have to seriously doubt that Anaheim or Los Angeles would host unless they're getting a large amount of money uh, to put their ice back down. Um, Arizona, I mean, I think Arizona is number two right now if you want to talk about the Pacific, but that shooting I think is – I hate to say it and I, he, I hate to keep dwelling on it, but that that shook the security ability at Westgate. And um, so I think that's a little bit different. Um, so really I think for the Pacific, it's either Vegas, uh, maybe Dallas, kind of depending on how the central wants to decide their city. So, um, Vegas is really the best option. And, um, I just, but I, I'm just not sure, you know, it feels like it's going to have to be a situation like the UFC, right. Where everybody gets tested and you kind of stay in the tents and you, you know, they're probably going to buy out one or two hotels. So that'll be good. That's why when I asked him that question about, you know, <laughs> Oh, if hotels would refuse the, you know, not refuse, but say, oh, we want to stay open for the public. I'm sure the NHL is going to overpay massively for hotel rooms in whatever hub city they're in just to get through their season. So, um, I mean, I have a feeling that it, it is going to be Vegas is the hub city um, for the Pacific Division. But obviously time will tell and, and nothing's official announced by the league. Yes. And you know, Seth, what, what I'm thinking is um, June right now, right? We're uh, June 8th, and the guys haven't even really started skating yet at all, uh, organized part of it. So when he mentioned the first game might not start until August 10th, I'm going like, good Lord, that's two more months before we start having some real game action. Um, at what point do you say maybe we're better off just dropping the whole thing? and starting over fresh and seeing if we can start our season with fans, albeit, you know, October 1st or something. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just, I go back and forth on this thing. You know, you know how I am on that, but that's a topic for another show right now. We've got about two minutes left. So give us that uh, hashtag pucks on the pod trivia question for tonight. If you got it. Yeah. Okay. So in the 1992-1993 season, Tamu Solani not only set an NHL record, but also a Winnipeg Jets, Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes franchise record for goals in a season with 76. Now, in that same season, the franchise record in assists in a season was also set. What current member of the Arizona Coyotes coaching staff holds the franchise record for most assists in a season? Wow. Good one. I like it. Go to our uh, our Twitter uh, page at IcetimeSW. Use the hashtag PucksOnThePod, and uh, we will pick out a winner within the next 24 hours to receive a nice package from uh, our friends at Summer Skates. We've got a koozie, and we've got a T-shirt. Uh, so jump on board. Get on board with it. Make sure you're subscribing. We're on all the major uh, podcast outlets. You can find us on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, uh, Google Play Music. You just go right down the list. You can find us. So another great question from my man. Um, Seth, we got so much more we could talk about. We're out of time tonight, but next week we'll jump on again and uh, or, uh, give us everything that we got as far as what's happening after the guys get on the ice, hopefully for a week, and hopefully these uh, spiking cases here wears down a little bit so we don't have to uh, to go backwards. That would be the worst thing possible right now. So Thank you, my friend, for joining in. I know you had a few technical difficulties, but we got some great questions in. Thanks to Jason Pothier from Sinbin.Vegas.
for coming in. And Seth and I will say goodbye with a little uh, De Niro from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Have a good night. <laughs>